0: Thank you for joining us today. This is really probably one of the most difficult messages, and yet, probably one of the most helpful messages that you could have. Uh, we've called it Diamonds in the Darkness. I did this years ago at a major conference, and it was, uh, I called it the Dark Night of the Soul. Uh, that was coined by Saint John of the Cross, who was uh, joined Teresa Avila in trying to reform uh, the Catholic Church at that time. Uh, I'm going to try to give you some help. I want to explain what what a dark night is. Uh, I tell you what it isn't it isn't just that you're discouraged. Um, you know, somebody didn't come or something didn't turn out right. It, it's much more than that. I think my first um, definition or explanation for you was I was asked to go to Africa to speak to 10 uh, Western African countries to their leaders. And they'd all meet together rather than me going to 10 countries, going to one country and talk to all, uh, these leaders from the 10 country. Well, I had never flown Uh, I think that was before I flew to Israel. Uh, I I never flew uh, over the Atlantic before. And uh, we were flying and the stewardess was very encouraging. Uh, She told us that the seat cushion floated and that underneath the seat cushion, you could put your arms through these things and float in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, I opened the shade and looked out and all I saw was water. And uh, let me tell you, the dark night can be like bobbing up and down in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Now, I thought of that. I I don't know if that helps you. But it's like I don't have control over what's happening. And I don't want it to happen. In fact, the video I talk about being in Australia and being on a train, uh, going to Sydney, and you go into a tunnel. Well, you, there's nothing you can do about it. You're in the dark tunnel and the train is going fast. And all you got to do is hold on to your seat. Uh, and so these are situations uh, that will come to your life. We'll talk about a little later. But I had never really experienced darkness. And um, I'm going to talk a little later about my life because some of you don't even know who I am. Um, And you're probably better off, but now that you're watching, you're stuck. Uh, But I I and my family went to the Oregon Caves, uh, which are just in the Oregon-California border. And we walked for, they said, about a mile from the entrance to the big room. And we came into the big room, and the guy uh, told us to look where we were standing, be sure that we're on solid ground and so on, because it's all rocky and And not not smooth. And then he said he's going to turn the lights off because we're one mile from the source of light. And so it'll be probably the only experience that we'll ever have in total darkness. So he turned the lights off. Uh, I put my hand over my face. I couldn't see it. I mean, touching my forehead, I couldn't see my fingers. That's how dark it was. It was one of the most, it was an awful experience. what if he can't get the lights back on? How am I gonna get out of here? I don't know know which way to go. And I, you know, there's stalagmites and stalactites and all those things. And then what he did, he lit a match and everybody put their hand over their eyes because you couldn't stand the light. And so the dark night of the soul is that kind of an experience that you're in a very, very dark place. And, and while you're going in there, will I ever get out of here? What will, what's the answer to this darkness that I'm experiencing? And actually I, I feel it. Um, so we've had a tragedy in our family recently. Uh, we lost three family members uh, without warning. Uh, when my wife died, we were prepared for that because of her illness and all of that, but this was a surprise. And that makes it even darker. I mean, it's sad when you lose a loved one, but when you had no pre-warning and you have three family members dead, uh, it was very, very difficult. Uh, And so our family is going through it. uh, And probably all of us are in different stages of going through it, uh, different points, but the thing I, w- I want to say right here is so many people sent cards. Uh, I got cards from people I haven't seen for years from all over the United States. And so uh, I am so grateful for your compassion to our family. And uh, I just want to thank you. And the only survivor of that family is our granddaughter, Ambriel, who is a senior at the university in Texas. And, uh, I know she's watching or going to watch this so you can pray for her. Um, When uh, you shared everything with your mom and dad and they're no longer there, uh, that's where the dark night kicks in again. It's like, how do I get out of there? I want to talk to her. My mom was her best friend. Uh, I've never seen hardly any family where the mother and daughter were such close friends in, in college. You know, afterwards in age, yes, they grow closer, but we're talking about through high school and all of that. Uh, So Ambrielle has um, a real loss of of not only a mom, but her very, very best friend. But I'd like to just prepare you a little bit about me. Um, I was actually born in New Rockford, North Dakota uh, and drove through there once to see what it looked like and I'm sorry near Rockford but it's not a place that people are going to visit a lot (laughs) it's it's kind of a you know it's just one of these smaller places Uh, but that's where I was born and then we uh, I was raised in California Uh, my family was uh, non-Christian they were not anti-Christian they just not Christians and we were little uh, my mom said f- for us to say our prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I thought of that prayer. Here I am a little kid in bed, and if I should die before I wake, so why should I go to sleep? <laughs> how could that prayer be very much of a of a comfort to a kid praying that maybe he's going to die before he wakes up, and he's so little and doesn't even know what dying is hardly. But uh, but that was basically uh, the only religious training that I and my sister had. And uh, we had a, a blessing and not a blessing. We lived one block from where the city drew the line where you went to school. And we were on the good side, which was not necessarily probably the best for us, because that meant I was in a uh, family that was probably lower middle class. I mean, we ate, we had food, but, you know, not a lot of money, not a lot of clothes, and we went to school in Hollywood uh, because it was in Los Angeles. And we weren't the Hollywood type and not the dressing for Hollywood. So uh, that would be a little bit of a struggle. Uh, you're in school because here you have kids that are from very wealthy families, and we were just two houses from not being able to go to school there. But we had, it was a good school. But anyway, I, I went to school and uh, I, ha- I had friends. I didn't know a Christian. I, I wouldn't know what, a, if you asked me to describe to you what a Christian is, I wouldn't know what that was. Probably a, something to do with church. Um, but the Lord was very gracious to me and brought uh, some guys in my life. They were crazy Christians. They were navigators. Uh, and at that time, the NAV headquarters was in Los Angeles, not in Colorado Springs. And Doss Trotman was still alive, who was the founder. And these guys came and witnessed to me and tried to explain to me that I was lost. And they used an illustration by drawing. But before that, they just visually, they asked me if I'd ever been to the Grand Canyon. I said, sure, I've been to the Grand Canyon. And they said, you know. Uh, what'd you think? I said, well, it was awesome. It's just breathtaking to stand there. Thank God they have metal bars you can hold on to when you peer over and look way down. I just a mile deep or something. I don't know. It's a long ways down. They said, well, let's see. Why don't the three of us run and jump and see who can get the, to the other side? Well, I wasn't in the greatest of shape, but I probably would have got out there a ways, but none of us would have made it. We all would have fallen short. And plunged to our death, there's no way we could jump across the gap. And they explained that that was where Jesus was. That's where heaven was. And we're here. We're here. That's where heaven is. And there's this great gap in between. And the only way that gap could be bridged was the Lord Jesus dying on the cross and giving his life for me so that my sins could be paid for. And being a non-Christian and and out of high school, I had a lot of sins. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't have to list them for God. (laughs) That had been a depressing thing to do. But, uh, and I realized that I needed that. I needed, there was something lacking in my life. I had finished my training as an X-ray lab technician. I was between jobs and uh, I knelt and accepted the Lord as my personal savior and asked his forgiveness for my sins. And I just remember it was just like a load went off of me. I didn't realize I was carrying this load of guilt and sorrow and all of that. And it was gone from my life. And I'm so thankful. And I just wanted to share that because you could be listening and you have never made that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that that you're a sinner, that on your own, you know, you can't make it. That you need Him, you need His forgiveness, and when He forgives you, He gives you eternal life. And uh, I know the the one thing that helps me through my dark night was uh, my son was such a blessing to me. Um, that one day I'll see him in heaven. You know, I won't see him here, but I'll see him there. And, uh, and that keeps me going because we're going to sit down, pull up a cloud, and chew the fat, I guess you call it. Or maybe you just chew a cloud. I don't know what they say in heaven. People are in this room laughing at me, so you don't laugh at me. I already got two people here <laughs> sitting here laughing at me. But, you know, <clears throat> but, so 59 years ago, uh, after serving in the Army, marrying a very godly woman, And my wife was a very, very godly woman, and I was a California Christian, uh, and California Christians are um, California Christians, (laughs) you know, not too deep, you know, mile wide, (laughs) inch deep, Uh, but here my wife was so committed to the Lord and all, and on her deathbed, she looked at me and said, Jim, you know, when I married you, I married down, and I said, thank you. I am so thankful that you married down. Because uh, she was so far ahead of me, she had been a accepted the Lord as a little girl and wanted to walk and live a pure life before him and please him and a wonderful prayer person and all so I'm very 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 thankful to have this wonderful woman. But almost 60 years ago I finished Bible college. I had been out of the army during the Korean thing and I was sent to pastor my first church, and it was a place called Aiden, California, and I had no idea where it was. And uh, you know, here I am, a city guy, and I'm going to pastor this church in Aiden. I want to explain a little bit about the area. It might help you uh, when you drove into town. The, the highway went right through town. On one side of the town was where they planed wood. The other side of the town is what's the mill where they sawed the trees. The town had two gas stations, one bar, one grocery store, and one church. So if you were driving the highway through our town and you sneezed, you missed the whole place. (laughs) So small. But what a, God wanted me there. It was a wonderful place for me to go to Aden. And so the majority of men were either cowboys or logger. And I could never figure, figure out why we only had one bar. I mean, if you, around cowboys and loggers, the, the bar must have made a lot of money because these guys, uh, they needed the message that I was bringing them. Um, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful time. But this particular town had two, I mean, some really amazing things. If you went through the town and, and went, kept on going up to Oregon, you would go where the last Indian wars were fought. General Canby had the roundup, the last bit of Indians. And people in my church remember one of the Young, one of the older men remembers as a boy and his dad going out to see if the Indians were going to attack the town. That was so interesting. Uh, the oldest lady I ever baptized, she was 82, and we baptized in the creek. Uh, biblical, you know, that's biblical, uh, and it's ice cold creek. But she came to that town on a horse-drawn stagecoach. Other people came there or their families came and covered wagons. So I was like, wow, I grew up in Los Angeles, and here I'm up there, and this is like the Wild West. <laughs> you know, it just it was amazing. So I said on one side of the town they had Indian boards, but the other side of town they had the gold rush. And if I know now that they've somebody came in and messed it all up with big equipment to get the rest of the gold out, but when I was there, I could take you for a ride and say, so, you know, look through the trees, you will see the sluice boxes on the hillside where the, the, the gold mine, and I can drive into this little town, you know, look through the trees, you will see the sluice boxes on the hillside where the, the, the gold mine, and I can drive into this little town feet above sea level. And it was a wonderful place for, for us to spend five years ministering in that place. Now, the reason this is all important is basically in those days, and especially in Aden in the gold rush, a lot of the gold was panned for. They go in a stream and they take a pan of sand and then run to the gold nuggets and then take the nuggets, put them in a bag and so on. They did have gold mines, but majority of it was panned for gold. But if you want diamonds, you have to go in the darkness. And so this is a message I want to share with you. You know, um, down through the years, a wonderful years of walking with God and God opening up so many different ministries for me to be a part of or to have, and then, Back again to that dark night of the soul. Um, So, if you want diamonds, you have to go in the darkness. Um, Now, when you're in darkness, a lot you need something to grab a hold of. You need something to hang on to. When everything, you know, when you wake up, you're still sad. It's still dark. You go to bed, and it's sad and dark. You've got to have something to hold on to. And as a child of God, we have a very special privilege. Now, I want to give you three verses of Scripture. Remember, you're Bobbing in the Atlantic, and you got a seat cushion. Well, you can only hold on to one seat cushion, and I want—I'd like to give you at least three seat cushions that God gave me. See what spoke to me and helped me to go through this dark time. I mean, this was just recent when I'm talking about it. It hasn't been that long. I don't think it's been a month uh, since we had to go through all of that tragedy and so on. But in Isaiah 45. And you may want to write this down or go back and listen to it again. But uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful verse. Isaiah 45, verse 3. God says, I will give you the treasures of darkness. The hidden riches of the secret place. That you may know that I am the Lord who calls you by name. You know, he doesn't say, hey, guy. he's hey, Logan. Okay, what? <laughs> hey, guy. There's two guys in here and one gal, you know? I mean, come on, you know? He calls you by name, am the God of Israel. Now, I, I, I would trust that none of you would have to go through a dark time, a dark night of the soul, but you may have to. Well, remember this verse that in that darkness, God has a treasure for you. And it would not mean the same out of darkness. It was, this means so much. I'm going through this dark time and God gives me this verse. It's something I'm putting my arms around so I don't just sink in the darkness. I float in the darkness. And he gave me two treasures. Now, There, I'm sure we talked to others that are in this. They may have totally different treasures. But see, the treasures you get fit who you are. They make sense to you. It's something you want to hang on to. You want to cling to. When you go to bed at night, uh, I mean, you can go in the day. You can have distractions and so on. But when you're in the dark night, when you go to bed, the dark night is very much there. And you rehearse in your mind all the things that caused you darkness well one of the verses that was so important for me um, and it's in the book of hebrews hebrews 13 5 and 6 in this verse i would uh, refer to it many times during the day uh because of my age i could not get to the uh service that they had for my family which is which is wonderful 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 service they had a very encouraging uplifting service but i want to read this let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things as you have now here comes the promise that i use I can't tell you, just like it was going around and around all the time in my mind, for he himself said, that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. And there's fear in the darkness, what man can do to me. And I'll tell you that verse, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But in the darkness, that's what you feel. You feel forsaken. You feel all by, although, you know, others are going through it that were related to you. They're they're going through the same thing. But you do it yourself. You You, you go through it by yourself alone. I don't care if you're married or, you know, have a thousand friends. When you go through the darkness, you go through it totally alone. And I have... And that's that aloneness. There's almost a fear in that darkness, what's going to happen. But I have to realize what? The Lord is with me. He will not forsake me. I mean, it's just, he just took me through. See, underneath of the everlasting arms is so many verses. But it just was, for me, that just kept me going uh, because I couldn't go to the services because they were held in Texas. So... A lot of my family members went. Uh, but i I didn't have that hopeless, no hope feeling, all of that, uh, because I knew I would see my family in heaven and my little crazy grandson, uh, who I love dearly. He's a he was a adopted Hispanic kid, half Spanish and half um, Russian. And what a character uh, and watch that guy grow up and praying over him at different times, laying hands on him. Uh, he wanted me to pray for him and see him trying to witness for the Lord and all of that. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing little Aaron in heaven. <laughs> And I bet the Lord doesn't let you get away with what you got away with sometimes at your house, you know. <laughs> You're a little under stricter thing. So, and the 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 other one, the other verse is a simple verse. That most one of the first verses most people learn is is a John 316. And that is, for God so loved the world, they gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I knew that the Lord was with me and that he loved me and he loved me with an eternal love, an everlasting love, not based on whether I'm a good guy or a bad guy as as one of his children, because, I mean, we whopped our children on the Hieronymus when they needed it, but we loved them, (laughs) you know, we had to correct them, but we loved them and And those two things that the Lord was with me and he loved me and I would get through this. And, and I began to rehearse the good things that I remembered about the three family members uh, that were no longer with us. And it's taking me through and I've, I've had the joy of the Lord is my strength and has been my strength. So If you are going through the darkness right now, ask God to give you a floating cushion. (laughs) You know, you get your arms around it and say, I'm just hanging on to this, to this promise that God has given me. And it may not be mine uh, because those I didn't find in scripture, they just popped into my mind as I was just waiting on the Lord. And the Lord just like laid those two verses on my heart. In John three sixteen is probably one of the first verses I learned, but I don't use it that much because it's everybody knows that verse. You know, uh, it's one of the probably most common verses in the Bible. Uh, so, so I want I want to to encourage you. Don't waste your darkness. You're going to go through. The darkness and God says he has treasures for you in darkness you may not get a pocket full or arms full but one floating cushion is is enough you know that one thing you can hang on to so go back to that that uh, first verse I gave you and go back and say God I'm trusting you said there were treasures in the darkness give me that treasure and god will answer you when you call upon him you know and ask him when he's already said in fact in fact uh i know our kids sometimes would take the bible and put their finger on a verse and say all right god you said this (laughs) reminding him of a promise that something they wanted i i can't remember but god god smiles at that he likes us what uh There's a a wonderful song they used to sing in church. Uh, At first, I I thought they were singing, I I thought they were singing, standing on the premises, standing on the promises, you know? Stand on the promises of God. That's what I'm encouraging you. You're a child of God. God loves you with an eternal love. Maybe no one else loves you, but he does, and that's enough. And he accepts you. And he accepts you as you are. But it help you to be a little better than what you are. Um, you know, I've been in this Christian thing for a long time now. You know, I was just uh, nineteen years old when I accepted Christ, and now I'm twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> now <clears throat> I'm going to be eighty-eight pretty quick. But it's been a wonderful journey, and. Uh, And I know I've been through dark times, but this was the darkest time I was through. And I can tell you, Christ is sufficient. He will get you through, lean on him. And it's every day. It's not like, oh, yeah, I got that verse and everything was fine. No, it wasn't fine. Everything was still the same. Uh, So many questions not answered and so on. But that's fine. Uh, I just committed to him. And I want to be a blessing to those around me. So I trust this has been a blessing. And if you'd like more information, watch Paul put a connection on your thing of the dark night of the soul, which was given to, I think 15,000 people. Um, and I was concerned when I gave it, whether I should or not. And the Lord just said, go ahead. Cause it's not necessarily the most happy message. And yet how much hope there's in there because if you've never been in the darkness, you will be at some point in time. There's going to be a loss of some sort, and you need to grab a hold of the Lord. And remember the seat cushion. I I didn't have hope that if that plane went down, that some plane would see Logan bobbing with this thing in the Atlantic Ocean. You know, but the Lord would see me. The Lord knows where I am. I'm bobbing here in, in Sioux City, Iowa. Um, this is. Um, God's spiritual place in the world. I think <laughs> spiritual headquarters right here at Sioux City. A lot of wonderful churches and a lot of wonderful people. Thank you for watching. Let me just pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching, Lord, that if they haven't got their treasures, if they're in darkness, Lord, just prompt them with your Holy Spirit, get those treasures and that they will hold on to the treasures of darkness. And so Father, we're thankful that there was a song that said, you were there all the time. And sometimes in the darkness, you can, Is, is God there? Does God know what's going on? Does God know how I'm being torn apart inwardly emotionally? Yes, he does. And he loves you with an eternal love. And he said, you don't have to go through this alone. I'll go through it with you. Thank you, Father, for going with me through the dark night of the soul that our family is walking through. In Jesus name, amen.